Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. Next week, we'll close out this series entitled Weapons of War. We've been walking through Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through uh, the beginning part of verse 17. We will deal with the second part of verse 17 this morning, just looking at little phrases that Paul uses in this analogy that he's giving on the armor that a Roman centurion would wear and, and how that can symbolize or give us a greater appreciation a greater idea of the, of the things that the Lord entrusts to us when we place our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, the things that we have in him to be able to stand firm in our battle. That's what we've been asking in this series. How do you, how do I stand firm when I encounter a battle in this life? Jesus says that in this world you will encounter trials or tribulation. We live in a sinful world. We live in a broken world. We live in a world, therefore, because of sin in this world, that we commit sins that hurt others or we have sins committed against us that hurt us. We live in a world where there's things that are out of our control. There's sickness in the world. There's calamities in the world that press in on us, that can hurt us, that we can feel the effects of. In all of those things that come waging on us, whether they be things out of our control, whether they be things that are the result of the spiritual warfare that we encounter, whatever it may be, the things that we encounter, those battles, we have been armed with things that enable us to be able to stand firm in that battle. Second Peter 1 says that we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, this passage of scripture that we've been walking through reminds us that we can stand firm, that we can be strong in the Lord because of what we've been given in him. And so we've just been walking through that. If you're brand new with us this week, tuning in or in person, you can go to our website. You can listen to the messages that precede what we're looking at this morning. But this morning, what we are going to be looking at is the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, is what verse 17 says. But let's start in verse 10. Let's just read this entire passage of scripture up to verse 17. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Stand firm in your battle. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Like that's our reality. We are in a spiritual battle as followers of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? Well, verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. What Jesus Christ has given you through his life, death, and resurrection is the idea that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having putting on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. Here's where we're going to be this morning in the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The title of the message this morning is this, your offensive weapon. And here's the idea that I want you to get today, that God's word is your only offensive weapon against Satan's attacks. 
And I don't say only to give you the idea that somehow the Lord has shortchanged you. I say only so that we can understand that the Word of God, which is described as the sword of the Spirit, is the only offensive weapon that we need to be able to stand. Every other piece of armor that we have looked at up to this point is defensive. The belt, the breastplate, the shield, the shoes, the helmet, all of it's defensive, except for this. This is the one offensive weapon that God has provided for us. This sword, by the way, that's mentioned, different than the sword that we looked at last week that the helmet would protect a soldier from, which was that broad sword, that large three to four foot sword that could potentially cause a head wound or cut someone's head off or damage your head uh, to render you uh, not to be able to fight in the battle. This would have been a smaller sword. This was an 18 inch sword. This was a sword that the Roman soldier would wear on his belt. He would always have this sword with him. Interesting that Paul starts off saying that you ought to fasten on the belt of truth because everything else hung on that belt, including one sword. So here's the analogy. I'm not going to be offensively uh, fighting with something that I don't believe is truth. Like, if I don't believe that the Bible is God's word, and it is truth, and it is the standard of truth for my life, then I'm definitely not going to use it when I'm encountering tribulation or a trial or a difficulty. Because my sword hangs on the reality that God's word is truth. If you weren't here for that message, I encourage you to go to it. It's the second message in this series. We talk about the evidence that God has given us, that God's word is different than any other book, that we don't have to throw our brains into a trash can to believe that God's word is our source of truth. So I encourage you to listen to that if you haven't already. But this morning, what we're taking into account is that if we're sitting here listening to this as followers of Jesus Christ, that we believe that God's word is truth. Therefore, we have a sword that we've been given that hangs on that reality. It would have been two-edged sword. It would also have been sharp at the top, which is interesting what you can buy on Amazon because this thing is like seriously sharp at the top. It's very scary that you can buy this on Amazon. Nonetheless, this would have been the type of sword that Paul would have seen when he was in prison, that he uses the word of God, that this sword, I should say, is symbolizing the word of God in our life. Let me give you some differences between a physical sword and the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Let me just give these to you quickly. They aren't on the screen. A material sword pierces the body, but the word of God pierces your heart. The more you use a physical sword, what happens? It gets duller the more that you use it. But the word of God, the more that you use it, what happens? It becomes sharper the more that I use it in my life. A physical sword, what is it designed to do? It's designed to wound, it's designed to kill. But the sword of the spirit, the word of God, when it wounds, it brings healing and it gives life. A physical sword is totally dependent on the skill of the soldier. 
Like, it's a good thing. If I went into battle with a sword and had to actually defend myself with this thing, I'd be in deep weeds. Why? Because I have no skill when it comes to a sword other than understanding there's a handle that I hold it with rather than the blade. That's about it for me. But the word of God, how is it different? The word of God has its own power. Like, I don't need to do anything to cause the word of God to have more power. The only thing that I need to do is to know how to apply it to the situation that I am experiencing. See, it's so important to understand. Because this morning what we're going to talk about is how do you and I have the proper sword skills. But I don't mean sword skills in the sense of say, well, I guess today my sword skills aren't great, so therefore the word of God is ineffective in my life. No, no, no. Here's what I mean. That the skill to which I can use my sword is dependent on me taking time to sharpen it and use it in my life. Remember what I said? What's different about the word of God than a regular sword, a physical sword. Well, a physical sword, the more that I use it, well, I gotta, I gotta sharpen it. Well, with God's word, you know the way that I sharpen my spiritual sword? I use it in my own life. I'm saying, wow, how does God's word apply to this situation that I'm experiencing? How does the word of God apply to that situation I'm experiencing? And as I'm using it in my life, it becomes sharper and sharper. It becomes more useful. It's Actually, then I'm able to be able to use it against when the enemy is come and attacking my mind or temptation that comes into my life or a circumstance comes into my life that the enemy could easily use to deceive me, the lies of the enemy, that God's not good enough, that God doesn't love me, that God can't forgive me, that God can't change this situation in my life, that God can't change me. All of those lies that we talked about last week under the helmet of salvation and that our identity in Jesus Christ protects us from, the more and more that I use God's word and know how to combat those lies against the enemy's attacks, first of all, in my own life, then I'm able to actually be familiar enough with the sword and the word of God that I'm actually able to say those things back to the devil and say, no, 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 you're saying that, but here's what I know God's word says. But that only happens when I am taking the time to sharpen it and use it in my own life. So here's one of my concerns as we sit here right now, is that you and I don't have a weapons problem. You know what we struggle with as followers of Jesus? A competency problem. What I mean by that is this, if for some of us, we have been believers for decades, 10, 20, 30 some of us 40 years, some of us, maybe I'm looking across the crowd, maybe some of us even longer than that. And if you were to look inside our brains, our minds, this is what you would see. You would see this massive armory, arsenal of weaponry. Because we don't have a weapons problem. We have a competency problem. What do I mean by that? So many of us have equated that us growing in our walk with the Lord and us sharpening, if we're to use that analogy of the sword, sharpening our sword, the word of God, and how it, in our lives, we would equate that with just more knowledge. I need to go to another Bible study. 
Like if you were to look at your week, you're like, well, I'm in BSF this, this day, and I'm in CBS this day, and I'm in ABC this day, and XYZ in this day. And there's nothing wrong. BSF is great. CBS Bible studies are great. But my concern is, is that some of us equate knowledge with competency when it comes to the Word of God. Listen to me. Some of this is going to shock you, and I'm going to clarify this. But you know, you going to another Bible study does not cause the devil to shudder. Doesn't. You know what caused the devil to shudder? When you start saying, this is what I learned in this Bible study. This is what I read in my time with the Lord this week. And here's how I am being obedient to what I've just read, to what I've just heard. When we get to that point, the devil gets nervous. Knowledge is good. Knowledge is important. But knowledge not applied does nothing for us to stand in our battle. Listen to me, the devil knows the Bible. He may know it better than some of us. But what makes the difference between the devil and you and me as a follower of Jesus Christ? The devil doesn't see it as truth. The devil doesn't apply it to his life. That's my point. And what I so want to combat is that more knowledge equals more skill in fighting our battle. Knowledge is important, but knowledge not applied is useless. And what I wanna do in the rest of our time this morning is I wanna literally answer this question for you very practically. And this question is worded this way. How do you, how do I grow in our sword skills? How do we grow in taking God's word and not just knowing it, but actually applying it? So that we're actually making use of the thing, the gift that the Lord has given us. That literally when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, here's what figuratively happens. The Lord says, listen to me, if you believe that you cannot earn your way to heaven, that you cannot live a good enough life to be accepted by God because God is perfect and we are sinful, but that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, lived a perfect life for you in your place, died on the cross for your sin, paying the penalty that your sin and my sin deserve. He rose again three days later, being victorious over sin and death for you and me so that I can have a relationship with God forever, but also have a relationship and the power to live life here and now. If I believe that, that all of what I just said is found in God's word. So literally, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he has given me his word to fight the battle. And he has given me the Holy Spirit inside of me, the third uh, part of the Trinity, to be able to have the power to wield that sword in a way that I couldn't on my own. But we still gotta pick it up. We still gotta use it. So how do you and I grow in our sword skills? For some of you, you're already doing this. For the others of you, it's been available, but and I say this out of love, you're just choosing not to do it. For some of us, we used to do it, and we're not doing it. And here's what I hope for those of you who have never done it, I hope today is the day that you start 
See, how do you grow in your sword skill? Well, here's the first way. You gotta take time to abide in God's word. That word abide comes from John 15. Apostle John's the only person that uses it. He says, abide in me and I in you, for without me you can do nothing. So if that's what Jesus says in John 15, 5, it's right there in our cafe, if you didn't recognize that, hard to miss it because it's right smack dab on the wall. But I would equate nothing to also involve, there's no way that I can stand and experience victory in my life with the things that may be pressing on me if I'm not abiding with the Lord. Well, how do I abide with the Lord? Well, I gotta be in his word. See, I would say it this way, that you knowing how to stand in your battle, you and I knowing how to wield the word of God in our lives during times of good and times of difficult, you know what that is? That's just flat out discipleship. That's what that is. How you withstand spiritual warfare is discipleship. And I say that because at Salem Chapel, one of the things that we really felt compelled to do, frankly because we weren't being as intentional as we should have been, is how are we going to create a culture here where we just don't say to people, get in God's word. We just don't say pray. We just don't say you need to be obedient. We just don't say that you need to know how to share how you came to Jesus. We just don't say you need to follow Jesus and pattern your life after him. We just don't say that God's word applies to the circumstances and the difficulties that you experience. But we actually are intentionally helping one another to do that. Which is why one of the things that we said is we're like, you know what, we, we understand that some of you, man, you already have a way and a, and a, and a healthy practice of reading God's word in a crowd this size. But we also know there's a lot of people who will come into those doors and there's a lot of people that you encounter at work and there's people, dads, your children in your own home, that you're gonna be faced with an opportunity to help other people know how to, te- how to wield their swords and how to begin reading the Bible. And if we are not being intentional as a church to provide a way, not the only way, but a way to help you know how to abide in God's word and help others who don't know how to do it, then we are being disobedient to what the Lord has called us to do. That was the impetus to us creating a Bible reading tool and a prayer tool. You can pick up these journals at the Welcome uh, Center if you haven't already. And it just has our Bible reading tool on one side and our prayer tool on the other. So let me just walk through what our Bible reading tool is. And let me just say that what I'm about to walk through, there's some little tweaks that we've made since we've even released those. Not to say that that's no longer relevant or anything like that, but here's what we found. We actually found that some of you, like we do this for your children in Salem Kids. If you have kids in Salem Kids, they have a Bible reading tool. A little bit different than the way we worded it. So you know what we found as we did this more and more throughout the year? Most of you are actually using the kids version rather than what we said in the adult version. So you know what we said? We're just gonna use the kids version moving forward. So the Bible reading tool is three steps. Here it is. God said, I heard, 
and I will. Now I'm gonna take time to explain each of those because I know the people on the slides are getting nervous because I just said all three. But here's the tweak that we made. Before you ever open God's word as you're abiding with him, here's the question that you need to ask yourself. How are my feeling today? You know, the more and more as we walk through this last year of this Bible reading tool, the thing that I should have known but kind of just took for granted is how many people, how many of us just jump into God's word and we never actually, before we do it, say, what's going on in my mind and my soul right now? Now, I've done that in my life because I've been doing this for a while, and maybe you do as well, but for someone who's brand new and you're like, man, I never connected how I'm feeling today or what's pressing on me today or what I'm experiencing today, I saw that it's completely disconnected from what I'm about to read. But part of abiding with the Lord, you know what it is? It's you picturing in your mind that you're literally coming to a table and you're there and Jesus is there and it's literally like, Lord, before I open up your word and hear what you want to say to me today, I just got to tell you how I'm feeling. So in our updated version of this Bible reading tool, that's going to be the first question that you're going to ask yourself. How am I feeling today? Some of you will be like, I have no idea, Johnny, how I'm feeling. I've had individuals where I've asked that question, you know what they say? I feel nothing. And I'm like, you feel nothing? Like, yeah, I feel nothing. Because for the longest time, we've just told ourselves that our emotions mean nothing. But our emotions make up our soul. So here's what I mean by asking yourself before you open up God's word, how are you feeling today? What are you experiencing in your mind? What thoughts are consuming you? What are you feeling in your emotions? What has you tense? Like you're literally, your body is tense. What's going on in your soul right now? Like what, is, what, what are the circumstances that are affecting you? Think about that. Acknowledge that. And then when you've written that down and say, man, I'm feeling right, anxious right now because I got this situation happening this week and I don't know how it's gonna turn out and it's just consuming my thoughts. Write it down. Man, I'm feeling really anxious right now about this. I'm feeling really sad about this. I just experienced loss in this and it really has me grieved. Write it down. I'm really angry about this right now. God, I'm actually angry at you. Write it down. Why are you angry at him? Why are you angry in a circumstance? Write it down. But that's the first step before you ever open up God's word and ask yourself, Lord, how is your word going to pierce to my heart? Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God, it's living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the divisions of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, your heart, my heart. So what are the thoughts and intentions of my heart? Let me write it down. And once I've done that, then you just simply go to the Lord 
and say, Lord, right now, I just wrote this down. This is how I'm feeling. This is where I'm struggling. And Lord, as I'm about to open up your word, Lord, may may my heart be ready to listen and to see what your word's gonna say. You know what that's doing? That's you getting stronger in your sword skills. And once you've done that, here's what you do. You go to the first step of our Bible reading tool, God said, which literally that phrase is getting at, what is God saying in what I read? What is jumping out in what I read? Like I may be reading Psalm 27, that's my favorite psalm if you know me, Psalm 27, I'm verse one, and I'm like really anxious right now, and I'm really stressed about the unknown and wondering what's gonna go on, and it has me a little fearful. So I'm reading Psalm 27, one, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? So if I'm writing in my journal, I'm like, well here's what stuck out to me, Lord you say you're my light, so let me write that down. Lord, you say you're my salvation. Let me write that down. You say that in light of that, I shouldn't fear. So I'm gonna write that down. It's literally asking yourself, God, what are you saying? God said. We have a phrase here at Salem Chapel. If you're a part of our family, it's this. Repeat it, repeat the rest of it, or say the rest of it, I should say, when I say the first part. When God's word is open, God said, here's the next step, I heard. I heard. It's that little icon of the headphones. What do you do when you put on a pair of headphones? Why are you putting them on? Whether they're like the in-ear noise canceling or the ones that go over you know, your ears completely. Why do you put those on? Because you want to block everything else out. So, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. This is what stuck out to me in what I read. But, Lord, how is the Holy Spirit making personal what I just wrote down to what I'm feeling, to what I'm experiencing? And that question may take some time. You may have to chew on that. There's been times in my life where I've been in God's word and I'm like, no, 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 I really wanna hear. I really wanna be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how are you taking what I read this morning or this evening how, or last night, how are you making it personal in my life with what I'm experiencing right now? And there's been times where, listen, I didn't have to think twice. Bam, I knew exactly how it was personal, and I wrote it down. And there was other times that, you know what, I had to, I had to chew on that throughout the day. But literally saying, Lord, would you make it personal? Listen to me. What makes the Bible different than your, best self, your favorite self-help book that you buy on Amazon? Or you listen to on Audible? I got a lot of books that I've listened to on Audible. And I'm like, wow, that was really practical. Like, I can apply that in how I lead the staff. I can apply that in this relationship. Like, it gave me three little steps to be able to do. And so often we approach God's word that way. And we're like, okay, I'm feeling anxious right now to use Psalm 27 as an example. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Well, Lord, I got nothing out of that because you didn't tell me how I'm not supposed to fear. 
Where's the little three-step process that I can do on my own strength and feel good about myself? And we oftentimes don't see the Bible as powerful. We don't use it as our sword because we want the Bible to be what the self-help book is on Amazon.com. But here's what makes the Bible so much more special than the book that you buy on Amazon.com, no matter how good or whatever it is, is because the book on Amazon is not the word of God. It's not breathed out by God. It's not Holy Spirit driven. See, what I've found in my life is sometimes, you know what's good about not having the answer right away? Is it causes me to have to put trust in the Holy Spirit to reveal it to me. We so minimize the mystical power of this book, but that's the very thing that makes it different than any other book. You're so wanting to look to me or your small group leader or one of the other pastors say, Johnny, just tell me what to do. And maybe even get frustrated or like, no, no, no. You have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And he's going to show you what to do. He's going to help you see how you don't have to fear in that moment of anxiety. How you are able to forgive when you thought you weren't able to. But the Holy Spirit's going to show you that. The Holy Spirit's going to grow you that. As you take time to say, God, not only did you say this, but God, what did I hear? How did the Holy Spirit make that personal in my life today? And you know what that does? That takes your eyes off of you, and that takes the eyes off of another person, and it causes you to grow in what it means to abide. It allows the opportunity for your faith to grow because you're like, holy cow, the Holy Spirit. I read that and I had no idea how it applied in the moment that I read it. But throughout the day, all of a sudden, I was like, that's how it applies. And I didn't hear it from a pastor. I heard it from the Holy Spirit. I heard. Here's the third step. I will. If you've got, I want you to do this. Not right now, but I want you to do this when you go. If you have, ki- if you have kids in Salem Kids, I want you to say, hey, what's the three-step process in reading God's word? And see if after what I, we've just walked through, you can say it quicker than they can. Because they know this. I will. What do we mean by that? How will I respond to what God has said to me? It's right here on this side of the journal. How will I respond to what God has said to me? Here's what we're getting after. What's the next step? Listen to me. You may have a completely different way of reading the Bible, but can I just say this? I don't care what way you have of reading the Bible, but it better get after these two things. What has God said, and what are you gonna do about it? Because otherwise, you know what you're doing? You are literally just adding more weaponry in your arsenal that you aren't being pressed to use. We are the foolish man and not the wise men, as Jesus says in Matthew 7. That's why I said before, some of us are like, well, the Bible reading tool doesn't really connect to me. 
And once again, it's not the only way, but it is a way. It is a way that gets after those two questions. It's a way that can help you if you don't already have a way, and it can help you to teach someone else a way that doesn't have one either. But my point is this, if we aren't asking ourselves those questions, what has God said? How is the Holy Spirit making it personal in my life today? What am I practically gonna do about it? I've shared with you different situations in my own life when I've been anxious, even before this series and in the midst of this series, that when I'm anxious, you know what my go-to passage of scripture is right now? It's Isaiah 55, where Isaiah says, man, why do you toil and you, you give time to things that don't satisfy, which is what my worry does. Instead, look to me. That's the whole idea of Isaiah 55. So when I've been anxious, you know what my sword has been lately? It's been Isaiah 55. So when we get to that I will, what we're looking for is a tangible thing that you're going to do. Not write down, well, I'm gonna pray more. I'm gonna read the Bible more. I'm gonna go to church more. I'm gonna be a better believer. No, no, no. What's a practical step? So when I was anxious and I read Isaiah 55 in my own time with the Lord, you know what I did? I literally wrote it out so that I could have it in front of me all the time. That I said my practical step is, is that when I begin to get anxious, I'm gonna pull up that passage of scripture on my phone and I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna use the sword. So how do you grow in your sword skills? Well, you abide in God's word. Here's the second thing, and we'll be done. You memorize God's word. Now, I grew up, this is a lost art, unfortunately, and I'm not sure why. When I was growing up in church, we had this thing called Awana. Anybody familiar with Awana? This thing called Awana. And it was kind of like a Bible version of the Cub Scouts, so there was different levels, and we got to wear different things, um, depending on what grade we were in, and we got awards that we got to put um, on our vest or on our shirt. So I would love to tell you that as a first and second grade kid, I was memorizing all of these verses because I wanted to grow in my sword skill, when in reality, I just wanted more jewels on my little red vest. But you know what I found? is I remember a lot of those verses. Now, they're all in the King James Version, but nevertheless, I remember a lot of those verses. Nothing wrong with that, if that's the translation you like, by the way. But all of a sudden, we've lost this idea of memorizing God's word. Here's why I say memorizing God's word is a part of growing your sword skills, because that's actually what the sword of the Spirit is referring to, which is clarified by Paul, which is the word of God, because there's two words they refer to the word of God in the New Testament. There's logos, which means the entirety of God's word. And there's the word rhema, which means portions of God's word. So John 3.16 would be a rhema part of God's word. Romans 3.23 would be rhema. Psalm 27.1 that I quoted earlier would be rhema. Portions of God's word. So when Paul says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, what he's saying is, take up the sword of the spirit, those passages of scripture that you have memorized or you're familiar with that you have used and seen God use in your own life, take those things to be able to fight off the enemy when he attacks. 
But if we aren't abiding in God's word, if we're not familiarizing ourselves with God's word, if we're not memorizing God's word, it's not that God's word has any less power. But God's word can't show and exercise that power in your life because you don't know it. You don't know it. Jesus gave us the perfect example of what it looks like to be engaged in spiritual warfare in Matthew chapter four. We don't have time to turn there this morning, but Matthew chapter four, you, and if you write in the margins of your Bible, you ought to write Matthew chapter four next to this phrase in Ephesians six seventeen, the sword of the spirit. Because what does Jesus do? Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and what happens in that wilderness? He's tempted by Satan. And Satan tempts him with three different temptations that really, we could say, categorize all of sin. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He tests, them in th- he tests Jesus in three different ways. And get this, the devil uses God's word to do so. He gives a scenario and he says, hey, doesn't, doesn't the Bible say this? But what does Jesus do to combat the temptation, and the attack of the enemy. Jesus quotes scripture back. Now listen to me. If Jesus, God in the flesh, creator of the entire universe, used scripture to combat the attacks of the enemy, then who are we to think that we can stand against the temptation and the attacks of the enemy that come into our life not also using the same tactics that Jesus did? Why did Jesus do that? Was he worried that the devil was gonna trip him up? He wasn't worried. Why did he do that? To give you and me an example. To give you and me an example. See, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Johnny, I just don't have a mind for memorization. And that may be, there may be some truth to that. But ask yourself this before you jump to that conclusion. Can you rattle off the stats of your favorite baseball players? Favorite basketball player? Rattle off the four things that you need to do and how you hold your grip of your golf club at the driving range that your golf instructor just taught you. You can rattle off all the type of the fish that are in a certain lake. You can rattle off recipes of how to make your favorite dishes so much so you don't even need the recipe cards anymore. You know it by heart. Here's my point. Why do you think it's so much easier to memorize inconsequential stuff than God's word? Maybe it might be that the devil knows that this is where the power is. See, it's not just about memorization either, it's about familiarization. See, you're not gonna hear me say that an actual copy of God's word in your lap is the Bible and the stuff on your screens isn't. Like, I've heard other preachers say that, and I'm like, okay, that's just legalism. But I will say this. 
There is something about having a way that you can write things in the margins of your Bible, that you can underline passages of Scripture, that you can highlight them. Because you know what you're doing when you do that, whether you can do it on a device or whether you can do it on a hard copy on your lap. Because you know what you're doing? You are familiarizing yourself with God's Word. You are growing in your sword skills. Perfect example. I don't know why I'm in Daniel right now on my Bible. But Ephesians chapter 6. I put this up here. So I'm looking at the screens because you can't read what I wrote. Because I don't want you to. But I literally have in this passage of scripture. This is from February 19th, 2019. I put Tuesday. I just happen to be reading in Ephesians and this passage of scripture that we've been walking through impacted me in the circumstances that I was experiencing in a profound way. And what did I do? I wrote out what I was feeling. I wrote out what I felt like God was saying. I wrote out how I believe the Holy Spirit was applying that into my life today. And I also wrote out how can I be obedient and what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying me on that day in February to the next day that I was about to walk into that was extremely stressful at the time. I'm not saying that to make much of me. All I'm saying is, is there significance? Because you know what happened? When I was studying in this series, I'm like, what are we gonna walk through after Easter? And I was like, you know, like I, I just feel a sense that we're supposed to walk through like how do we engage the battles that we're in and it was so crazy. I turned in my Bible to Ephesians chapter 16 and I was reading through this passage of scripture again and I was like, wow, that was a tough day on February 19th. I was like, wow, that's what I was feeling in that moment and man, what has God done since then? See, by God's grace, I used my sword in that battle. And my sword skills have grown to where when I read that passage of scripture again, I'm like, Lord, I just celebrate, not me, but I celebrate what you've done in my life since that point. What's the significance of that? Because that's what it means to familiarize yourself with scripture. Dads. If I was to ask you, what do you wish more than anything else that your kids will know how to do when they leave your home and enter this world? If you're a follower of Jesus, you know what your answer needs to be? That they know how to wield their sword. You know what I think about? Just being transparent. Every so often I'll get a new Bible and I'll be like, okay, I want to start from scratch. Just new things that God's saying. And so let me put this one away and let me get one a new one. But you know what I think about, man, if God gives me the privilege to be able to live long enough and God gives my kid, if God wills my kids to get married and I have kids and I have, or, and I have grandkids, I'm sorry, and I live long enough, that I'll know that they have Bibles that they'll be able to open up, be able to say, man, dad was for sure not perfect. They can say that now, trust me. But man, look at the way that God worked on February 19th. 
Look at the way that God worked on May. Look at how this passage of Scripture applied in this situation. But guys, dads, I can't give what I'm not receiving. I can't teach someone else how to wield their sword if I'm not learning it on my own. There's a, pat, there's a handout that you got when you came in the doors this morning. We'll close with this. It's entitled, has a series there, Weapons of War. And then it says sword training. So you should have grabbed one of these when you came in. If you walked by an usher and you're like, I don't want anything that you're giving me, then you don't have one of these things. And you can grab one on the Welcome Center when you leave today. But I was thinking to myself, what's something practical that we can put in your hands outside of a journal that can help you? And so I just put together this card and I listed out the common struggles. And our Restore, which is an arm of our, how we disciple people, it talks about the common struggles that, that we all face from time to time. All of them at once, sometimes one more than the other. Has them lifted out. Fantasy, guilt, shame, fear, anger, sorrow. I promise you, whatever you're experiencing, how you're responding could be linked to one of those. Just give me an example. Let's just read fantasy. Definition of fantasy that's straight from our restore material. You may struggle with discontentment and placing your hope in the next thing. You may avoid conflict or painful situation. Fantasize of different ways that life can be better. Or seek to escape reality through work, video games, hobbies, drinking, or drugs. Like, like just something to take your mind off of whatever it is. Let me go on vacation and I'll feel better. And then you go on vacation and you come back. But the problem is you've brought that situation with you. So how do I combat when I'm struggling in that way? And so what I did here is I'm like, well, what's my sword of the spirit in that situation? And I gave you some passages of scripture that you can read, that you can memorize, that you can familiarize yourself with. So when you're feeling that, you can say, Lord, what have you said in this passage? What have I heard from the Holy Spirit and how it's applicable to what I'm experiencing right now? And what am I gonna do, I will, what's one tangible thing that I can do? And I did these with every single one of them. By no means are these passages of scripture, every verse that applies to that, I just wanted to give you some. So you know what I did? Even though I have this saved on my computer because I put it together, because I took a picture of it with my phone. I sent it to Lori, my wife, and I sent it to my two kids. If you don't have a way, here's how you can start. You might know somebody who's not in this room, doesn't go to this church, never gone to church, but you know they're struggling. Take a picture of it, send it to them. They even say, hey, how about we get together and we walk through and we say, man, which one of these are we struggling with? Let's read these passages of scripture together. Let's use the Bible reading tool as we use it. Let's come back and let's be committed to grow in our sword skills. Listen to me, when you do that, the enemy shudders. 
because God's word is the one thing that the enemy can't stand against. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The enemy fled when Jesus used his word. And what a beautiful, awesome, amazing, privileged, sufficient thing we all have been given. And it's called the Word of God. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, I thank you today for the reminder for many of us, for some of us, the realization. Lord, I'd be remiss to say that there may not be somebody in this room that has never placed their trust in you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, that's where the spiritual battle is ultimately won. And Lord, may today be the day of their salvation. If they're in this room, if they're watching us online, you say, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Literally, it's just saying, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that you love me enough to live and die and be risen for my sin. I place my trust in you for my salvation. And Lord, they can be a child of God today. But the those of us who are, that we see God's word in a new way. May we see it as the offensive weapon that we have to win our battle. May we get in it this week. May we familiarize ourselves with it this week. May we memorize a verse or a passage that speaks exactly to what we're experiencing. Lord, grow our faith and our trust in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.